Aren't you glad that that cross will never lose its power, but it will always be as powerful as it was when he first went there? It wasn't the wood. It, thank you, James. It wasn't the wood. It wasn't the structure. It was him. We greet you this Easter morning, and we certainly wish that you could all be here with us, but how many of you know that with God, there's no barriers? He's able to touch you right where you're at, the same if you were here with us today. And so we're just excited about what's going on. I think I see George out there with his cowboy hat on. I'm waving at George at home. Let me hear an amen, George. <laughs> amen. We appreciate all that God is doing. Uh, look, we had planned a drive-up service and weren't able to do that because of the impending weather, but we're planning it for next Sunday, so everybody stay tuned, and we're, we're hoping to be able to do a uh, drive-in service next Sunday, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the parking lot out there. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me today to the book of Mark, the 16th chapter, and I'm going to start reading with verse 1. It says, and when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, everybody say very early in the morning. As a matter of fact, one scripture, one gospel said, while it was still dark, very early in the morning of the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll away the stone for us from the door of the sepulcher? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your spirit, God, and for what you did so many years ago on this day. We rejoice in your victory. And because you've been victorious, you can make us victorious. So we open our hearts and our ears and ask you to speak to us. God, I humble myself before you today and ask you to let me be a conduit. Father, flow through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to leave a thought with you today, and it's simply this. You can't stop him now. Say that with me, would you? You can't stop him now. The stone is not the first obstacle that Jesus had faced in his life. As a matter of fact, from the time that Jesus came, there had been a shadow of darkness looming over him, trying to stop him from completing the mission that he'd been sent forth to do. The devil at every hand was trying to get Jesus off his track. He was trying to break his focus. He was trying to rob him of his vision. He was trying to stop him from his mission. It first happened at his birth when that star shone so bright that it broke a darkness that had existed for 400 years from the close of the book of Malachi until that star made an appearance. It had been 400 years of silence. 400 years of hoping, 400 years of praying, 400 years of wondering if the Messiah would come. 
And when the wise men showed up in Jerusalem and they went to Herod and they said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. I know some of you may think, pastor, it's Easter, not Christmas. Just stay with me, would you? Because we're going someplace today. It said that all Jerusalem was troubled, and they, but nobody went to go look for him. Herod t- told the wise men, you go and seek him out, and when you find him, you bring me word again so I can come and worship him. He didn't plan to worship him. He wanted to destroy him because he didn't want to lose his earthly kingdom. He didn't want to give up his throne to another king. But can I share with you today that this wasn't any ordinary king? This wasn't a king that had come to sit on Herod's throne or on Caesar's throne, but he had come as king of kings and lord of lords. When the wise men found him and they were warned of an angel to depart another way, Herod figured out what had happened, and he sent soldiers into Bethlehem, and they murdered every baby from two years old and under, according to the time the wise men had come. They wanted to stop him, but Herod could not stop him. When Jesus made his earthly appearance, into ministry and he'd step forth and he began to speak and people began to gather around him because Roman soldiers said never a man spake like this man spake as they began to look at what he was doing and the miracles he was performing the Pharisees grew jealous and they wanted to stop him so they tried at several occasions to seize him but the scripture said that they could not do it for his hour had not yet come They tried on at least two occasions to stone him, but again, they were not able to stop him. And then on one place in the book of Luke, they were going to take him and force him off of a cliff, and he passed right between them, and while that multitude was around them, it's almost as if though Christ disappeared in their midst and came out the other side. They could not stop him. They wanted to. They sought to but they just weren't able to. The hope of Israel rested on this man. He shows up in a synagogue one day, and there's a man there that has a withered hand, and he has it hidden. He has it back, and Jesus notices him, and the crowd looks, the Pharisees look to see what Jesus would do so they might accuse him. It's a sad thing when people want to accuse you for doing a good work. Have you ever been there? that all you were trying to do was something to please God, something that would help someone, and all of a sudden accusations came from every side. You're not the first one to ever face that. Jesus faced it, and this is how he faced it. When he saw what they were thinking and, and he knew that they were just seeking an occasion, he wasn't going to let them deny that man of his miracle. And he told him, he said, step forth. And when that man stood forth, he told him, he said, stretch forth your hand. I want you to hear me today. If you want to be healed, you've got to be willing to stretch out that part of you that's hurting. Don't try and hide it any longer. That man had it hid in his robe. He didn't want people to see. He didn't want to be noticed. But Jesus took notice of him, and he knows exactly what you're going through right now. I want to encourage you to stretch out that part of you that's hurting, to extend that part of your life that's in need of a touch. 
because God is more than able to take care of it if you just let him. That man stretched out his hand, and while the others were getting mad, he was getting happy. (laughs) While everybody else was angry, he was rejoicing because God had healed that part of him that had been hurting. Don't let someone rob you of a miracle. Don't let someone keep you from coming to Christ. He's right there, and you just can't stop him now. They tried. They sought to stone him, seize him, throw him off a cliff. But they couldn't stop this man because he was on a mission. Judas sat at the table with him. One of his own disciples lifted up his heel against him. He carried the money, and the book of John recorded that he would take from that money bag. Strange, isn't it, that he would sell out his soul for 30 pieces of silver? We can't fathom that, but the truth is that sometimes we do it every day, don't we? We sell it out over a fling. We sell it out over a, a, an anger, over bitterness, over some situation that came up in our life, and we let that become more important to us than him. If you could talk to Judas today, he would tell you it's not worth it. He would tell you that all the money you could amass can never bring you the gift that Christ brings. Jesus said it this way one time. He said, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Judas maybe thought that he could force the hand of Christ and make him assume the throne of Rome. But that's not what he'd come for. He didn't come from, for earthly power. I mean, him stepping on Caesar's throne would be like painting a ruby or putting lacquer over a diamond. It needs no help to shine on its own. Jesus would be taking a step down. He didn't come for a Roman throne. He came for you and I. He came so we could have life and have it more abundantly. Judas tried to stop him. But he couldn't stop him. You just can't stop him now. The crowds in the streets that the week before Easter had been yelling and waving palms, proclaiming, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They were still in the street, but they changed what they were saying. I'm not sure that it's the same people. But a crowd of people gathered in the streets that day, and they weren't there to praise him. This time they were crying out, crucify him, away with him. The high priests and the Pharisees had worked up a crowd to try and cry out for his blood. They wanted to stop him. They marched him through those streets, and the high priest took him before Pilate, And there the high priest tried to stop him by manipulating Pilate into killing Jesus. This is what the high priest said. Pilate looked at him and he said, shall I crucify your king? And the high priest of Israel, the Jewish nation, declared these blasphemous words. We have no king but Caesar. Do you understand what that meant for a Jew to say that? That was blasphemy. 
Jews hated the fact that Rome had occupied their territory. And for a Jew to claim allegiance to a Roman throne, to a Roman king, to Caesar himself was unheard of. But this isn't any ordinary Jew. This is the high priest. But his hatred for Christ is greater than his hatred for Rome. The Bible said that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. They hated that people were following Jesus instead of them. And so they were willing to sacrifice their nation to stop this man. We have no king but Caesar. But the high priest could not stop him. Pilate stood over his execution. He wanted to free Jesus, but the crowd kept crying out, and there was a riot underway, and he feels the pressure brought on by the Jews, and now he finds himself washing his hands and saying, I wash my hands from this man's blood. Do you understand? You can't wash your hands. You can't just walk away from Jesus. That's not an option. You can't choose to turn your back and say, you know what? I'm just not going to make any decision. Today, you will make a decision. You're either going to say yes to him or you'll turn and walk away from him. But you can't stop him. Pilate wanted to free him. The Jews wouldn't let him. The high priest demanded his death, so he succumbed to the pressure, and he calls for his crucifixion. A Roman whip would plow his back like a field. In a book called The Anatomy of Calvary, it describes what took place that day. That Roman whip was mingled with lead and bone, and when it came down on his back, the blood would lay deep bruises in his back and the bone would rip the flesh from it. In that book, it said that if you had shown a bright light in Christ's chest, you could have seen rays of light coming through his back. That's how torn he was. They took a crown of thorns and they beat it down on his head. I don't know how many of you have ever pricked your finger with a thorn, but, but it, it's a, a painful experience, and there are nerve endings that go through your head. And when they took the crown of thorns and took a stick and began to beat it down on his head, it sent excruciating pain through his body. They wanted to stop him. They wanted to end his mission. And they marched him to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And there, my friend, they took seven-inch spikes and drove through his hands and feet. And he cried out that day over that crowd, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. What love this man had. I don't know that I could do that. As a matter of fact, my feeling is that I might be crying out something else that I probably would have yelled, Father, send angels to rescue me. Lord, take care of this mob that's after us. How many times do we find ourselves trying to find retaliation against our enemies? But he gave his life 
They didn't take it from him. He gave it. He told his disciples, he said, no man takes my life. I'm going to lay it down and I'm going to pick it back up. This promise I've received from my father. So when they were doing all they were doing to him, in the back of his head, he knew he could stop it. But he refused to. For God so loved the world. Do you understand that he loves you? He'd rather die for you than live without you. You can't stop him now thief hanging on that cross one made accusations against him if you're the son of God save yourself and save us and another sought mercy from him remember me when you come into your kingdom Why would you ask a man that's dying to remember you unless you saw more than a man hanging on that cross? He knew that Jesus was more than just the son of David. My friend, Jesus is the son of God. A man that's dangling over a pit of hell finds heaven's hand stretching to rescue him when he said today you'll be with me in paradise (laughs) you just can't stop him now when he died the earth began to shake the rocks began to break Satan is rejoicing at his death Satan feels like I've stopped his mission. I've stopped God dead in his tracks. But it was only Friday. And Sunday was coming. It was dark Friday with the beating and the whipping Isaiah said that his image was marred more than any man it was dark Friday when the disciples ran from him and the crowd called out for his death it was dark Friday when Mary wrapped herself around his feet and began to feel her heartbreak it was dark that day when they saw him hanging suspended between heaven and earth it was dark that day but the sun was about to rise cause you can't stop him now The Bible said in the book of Matthew that Jesus spoke this before his crucifixion. And and people don't understand what he's saying. His disciples don't get it. But in Matthew 12 and 40, Jesus spoke this. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. When they rolled that stone in front of that tomb, it couldn't keep Christ inside of it. Hell's having a party. (laughs) They're rejoicing because the Messiah's dead. He feels like I've won again. He deceived Adam in the garden, and now he feels like he has killed this man, and he's buried in a garden tomb. Until... A knock came at the gate of hell. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale, 
for three days and three nights, the Son of Man entered the heart of the earth. The devil never dreamed he'd show up in his own territory. Who would be brave enough to do that? Buddha tried it and died. Muhammad tried it and was buried. But can I tell you that there's a greater than Buddha here and there's a greater than Muhammad here. Jesus, the son of God. And this knock won't go away. It's interrupting their celebration. They thought it was over, but it's not over till it's over. And then all of a sudden, I can see in my mind's eye as a demon comes out and he peers through the gate of hell and he sees a man standing there, not dead, not weak, not frail, but alive and well and powerful and running back in yelling, we got problems. He's not dead. He's not in the tomb. He's here. He's come. Can you imagine when he put his foot against the gate of hell and knocked it down and said, I'm he that was dead and I'm alive forevermore and I've come after the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You can't stop him now. They put a Roman guard in front of a tomb to keep Jesus from coming out. (laughs) Oh, they thought that they positioned them there so the disciples wouldn't steal his body. Do you know what I believe? I believe that the high priest was sweating bullets. Because the day that Jesus died, inside the Holy of Holies, inside that temple, that curtain that was so thick that two horses couldn't rip it apart, that curtain that had hung all those years and kept us out of that holy place, when he cried out, it is finished that curtain ripped from the top to the bottom and the holy place was exposed to all the world no wonder Jesus said whosoever will let him come unto me take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burdens light those guards could not stop him when the Marys got there, so they were walking while it was still dark, and you can imagine how dark it was in their heart. Their hopes were gone. Their dreams were shattered. The man that had given them life now lay dead, so they thought. And they asked a question, who will roll a stone away from us, for us? Do you really think that that stone was going to keep Jesus inside that tomb? The Bible said that an angel came and rolled that stone away. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Jesus needed an angel to move that stone? He had just conquered death, hell, and the grave. Do you think he couldn't move that stone? The angels didn't come to let Jesus out. The angels came to let Mary in so they could see that he's not dead. He's alive, and the world can't stop him now. Let me share this with you. 
The psalmist says this in Ephesians 4 and 8. This is the living Bible. The psalmist tells us about this. For he says that when Christ returns triumphantly to heaven after his resurrection and victory over Satan, he gave generous gifts to men. He did not forget us, but he came to rescue us. He came to set us free. He's alive and well, and he's ready to give us what we have need of. Think about it. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He wants to conquer whatever it is that's keeping you away from him. If he did that for us, what do you think we ought to do for him? You say, but pastor, you don't understand. I mean, I've got stuff in my life that's really, you know, weighing me down, and I, I, I don't have the ability. Look, they crucified him. And he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believes also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Don't you understand that he's right here with us? That even though he died, he's alive. He told Thomas, he said, come and put your fingers in, in the prints in my hand and thrust your hand in my side. And understand, Thomas, don't doubt anymore, but believe. And Thomas dropped down on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. God. And Jesus' response was, because you've seen, you believe. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. What was he saying? He was looking through the eons of time and he saw us. And he said, those people that did not walk with me, but by faith reach out their hands to embrace me, I'm going to bless them beyond measure. Listen to what Paul tells us in Romans. He said, what shall we say to these things then? If God be for us, uh, who, my friend, can be against us? He's here for you today. The question is, are you here for him? He conquered death so you could have life. But he's not going to force you to accept it. He said, whosoever will. Let them come. I wonder today if you would choose to come. Because if we're made a joint heir with Christ and the world couldn't stop him, how are they going to stop us? He told them, go into all the world and teach them and make disciples, and baptize them. Friend, this doesn't have to be a dark day for you. The sun is risen, S-O-N. He's alive and well, and he wants to take you by the hand and let you begin a journey that's going to be the most extraordinary journey of your lifetime, and all you have to do is say yes. I wonder if you'd pray with me right now. Father, I come to you today and ask you to come into my heart. I need you, God. I can't navigate this life without you. I'm lost and undone. Everything, every circumstance, every situation 
is trying to stop me. It's trying to stop me from reaching you. Help me, God, to find you. Today, I choose to believe. Today, I confess with my mouth that, Father, you raised Christ from the dead. I believe in my heart that he died to take away my sins and he's alive forevermore. So right now, I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to save me. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it from your heart, it's a good day. <laughs> the sun is risen in your heart and it's a brand new day for you. How about it? Are you ready? When he stepped out of that tomb, he was stepping in to a conqueror's ring. Everyone that had tried to stop him had failed. Herod failed. The Pharisees failed. The crowd failed. The Romans failed. And Satan failed. And we've been made a joint heir with Christ. So do you understand whatever it is that's been holding you back has got to fall at your feet? Because if God is for you, who, my friend, can be against you? God bless you today. I want you to worship as they come and they're going to sing a song and take us out of here. I wonder if you just right where you're at at your house, would you just put your hands together and begin to clap with me right now? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord and let him touch your heart and let him touch your life and recognize that God is still God and he's still able. Amen. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise in Jesus' name, honey. There's no one like you, Jesus. Come on, you can say it. There's no one. No one. There's no one. Come on. There's no one. There's no one.
to testify I'm in 